Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Oh, here we go, boys. Go. Love that sound. This is a good one. Almost. Uh, you know how it goes. You want to hunt or what, buddy? You want to hunt? You want to shoot eight ducks with me and Joe? Yeah. Hope we get more than eight. Can you guarantee <laughs> me? Oh, except for down in uh, Oak, Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Should we start this baby off? Let's do it. All right. Now let's do a countdown. We'll do the. Let's we'll do a countdown from twenty. Are you ready? 20, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nineteen. Eighteen. Seventeen. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Thank God. <laughs> Welcome to Waterfall Wednesday, presented by the Full Scale Outdoor Podcast. It's Nick Johnson and dale luganville we're back baby oh man it's good to hear your sultry voice you don't even sound the least bit canadian either thank god those <laughs> people talk like they have <laughs> some problems like they're like homeschooling ain't going well up there <laughs> <laughs> i'm just kidding i'm just kidding i i like the way they talk it's kind of it's 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 quirky it's more it's it's better than freaking southern accents let me tell you that i'm just kidding <laughs> wow this is as as you're getting ready to go I'm down just, there <laughs> i'm trying i'm just trying to offend every single person that i possibly can everybody's accent fucking horrible. i know you can do it i have faith in you well um uh here we back are uh should we talk about some waterfall related yeah items let's do on it the agenda heck yeah hey does it seem like to you that uh, people going out to the Dakotas this year had really good success. Uh, it does. I mean, we, we I did, agree. We did well when we went out there. I mean, it wasn't like tell me lights tell out. Tell me about but... your trip. 
Tell me about your trip. Well, we put on a lot of miles day one because just because we're dumb. Um, what what day one is what date? Day one, uh, the exact dates. It was a. Uh, I'd have to go back in my calendar, but it was uh, day one was a Thursday or Wednesday. Wednesday, I think it was a Wednesday. Anyways, it was Wednesday, November eighth, like one week ago, or November one. Yeah, two would, weeks ago. Uh, November one. So it was still cold there. It was cold. Yeah, it was. Ah. It was cold. It wasn't, I mean, it wasn't as cold as they originally predicted, thank goodness. But they had, there's still a bunch of snow. So we get there, you know, and I'm looking at the snow map and whatever, and we drive, you know, usually we go, like, way north, you know, and I don't want to give, like, spot specific here, but usually we go way north. And then, uh, but with all the snow, we're like, yeah, I guess we're going to have to just stick to the southern part. So we kind of change our starting point and we kind of just keep heading west until we see birds so we found some birds not a lot just like i don't know three to five hundred in this one field they're like well there's backup plan of nothing else we got this and then um i somehow convinced myself that um because i knew people were still shooting birds in canada right so i'm like well shit maybe the snow has them dammed up at the border you know so we boogie up there and that was just an entire waste of time like saw shit and basically turned back around um and by that time we had two separate people two my buddy austin was scouting kind of the southern part and me and mike were in the other rig and and he wasn't really seeing anything yet either so we're like what in the hell and so we're kind of starting to work our way back south and then he stumbles on a bunch of birds and we're like okay well we're headed your way you know we'll obviously still kind of sort of scout our way there but there ain't dick up here so and how many miles from jamestown were you in which direction uh we were west of jamestown quite a ways (laughs) (laughs) a ways (laughs) well jamestown is kind of like I mean, I'll actually probably say Valley City is kind of like the easternmost edge of where you usually start seeing snow geese. Um, but were you guys targeting snow geese? Yes. Oh, okay. You yeah. should have mentioned that. Yeah, we were targeting snows. So. That's... And so uh, tell me, how many days did you hunt? Uh, so obviously we didn't hunt that day. Um, so we hunted uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And because I'm an idiot and don't manage my dates well, I couldn't hunt Sunday because my... Okay. License expired Saturday, but Ooh, so, the people could. So, um, so you, how'd your hunts go? Uh, they went pretty good. So it's, I'm trying to think now. Day, I call it day one after we found birds. Um, we said day one of hunting. Day right? one of hunting. Yeah. Um, it was good. We didn't shoot a shit ton. God, man, I have to almost go back to my text messages. I don't know why I don't keep like a log or something. It wasn't. Um, like lights out by any stretch we weren't we couldn't get into like couldn't get on the x we hunted the field that we had permission to was like a bean field next to corn and this cornfield was just absolutely you know littered with geese the day before and they were spilling out into the beans so it wasn't like you know they're in the we're in the right area but we shot 17 or something like that so not you know not amazing um, but there was a bunch of ducks using this particular um, body of water. So mm-hmm. was it that day? I think that night we set up and shot ducks. And the duck, the ducks decoyed really good. Like that was 
that was a ton of fun. So like we, with a spinner in a field? You're kidding. Yeah, yeah, we had some, yeah, we had some uh, spinners out there, and so we used some, we just used like uh, some <laughs> dive bombs, all just a dark spread, basically. We didn't have any duck decoys other than the mojos. Uh, yeah, and that was a ton of fun. We were taking turns. There was, like, singles and doubles coming in, so we were, like, taking turns, shooting drakes. And then, you know, obviously we had a, an actual big flock. I mean, we had a couple of those. Then it was kind of every every guy for themselves. There was only three of us that day. Okay. And then another buddy of mine and his kid met us out there for the next day, and we just found an even bigger feed. It was one of the biggest snow goose feeds I've ever seen, honestly. It was, like – over a mile of just solid geese. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It was just bonkers and a lot of a lot of juvies mixed in with this one. So that How'd field we were in before was a lot of adults. That one went pretty good. I think we shot um, close to 50, I think, 40-something. Hell yeah, dude. 50, 50. Was it 51? No, or 41. Shit, I don't know. Somewhere <laughs> were in there. Were you guys... Uh... Were you guys running an e-caller illegally? Uh, no, we were not. I was the only one. That, well, everybody had mouth calls, but um, I'm the only one that actually make like a sound any remotely close to a snow goose, and <laughs> they just it wasn't working either. Like it just wasn't. I, you know, I, I see was, some guys they just don't even try. They don't even bother. Well, some guys do. I'm just curious. Yeah, I've had some days where it's worked good, and then I've had and. Most times it doesn't. It just doesn't seem to do anything. So it's like you know you're, you're reading the you're reading the bird's body language, right? Like what they're how they're reacting as you call. And I was like, there just was no difference, calling or not did, calling. Did did uh, you guys run anything for motion? Mm, not day one. We did not. Day two we had. Um, we didn't set up a rotary, but we did have one clone. <laughs> We didn't. A single clone. A single clone. A, we did have a that. one single yeah. clone. It made the difference. Wait, did we set up the rotary? I don't remember if we did or not. We used it the day three. Um, That's one thing. Uh, well, hunting in the fall. Sometimes I'm not. I am not big on motion for snow goose hunting, but I'm not. I know that I'm not always correct about that. You know, like there is times where motion really does make the difference. I just have, don't have much experience with it. Cause I always am like, uh, and especially during the fall, because number one, I've hunted mostly uh, snows in Canada in the fall where you can use an e-collar in the United States in the fall. I have heard people say that the motion acts as your collar. Like it starts to get the birds interested in you like that can suck the juvies down, which will in turn bring in the adults behind it. Um, so I just think it's interesting people's perspectives on uh, motion on a fall snow goose spread. Um, I would say anyways. that's kind of how it went. I mean, we had a lot, there was a lot of juvies around and they really seemed to take interest in that, in that spinner. Um, the reason I, the reason I say too, like it sounds like that North Dakota has had a good season for guys this year is because, or not just North Dakota, but the Dakotas, is we had that cold snap, and that pushed a lot of birds into the state, and then it warmed back up and kind of just kept the birds in the state and gave people a good opportunity to hunt them this year, which is not an every, and that's not an every year thing like where it works like that. Sometimes it's just like warm and stale all October, 
And then, uh, like, sometime in late October, early November, early mid-November, boom. You know, like, the snow and the ice just come with a fury, and it's like all the birds just push out, in, push through. You, you could even say push through, sure. like, instant, like, instantaneously. So sometimes that happens to the Dakotas, where there's just this very tight window where guys are having great hunts before the ice overwhelms everything. And then some years are like this year where it seems like guys have this, you know, much wider window of time to go out there and make hunts happen. It seems like people have been really taking advantage of it this year, at least from what I've been seeing on like social media and hearing through the grapevine, which is great. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know what the reasoning was. Maybe the snow, you know, maybe when the birds finally did leave Canada, they they had to fly over so much snow that when they finally got to, like, the southern snow line, they were, like, ready to come down, made them more vulnerable and ready to decoy. I mean, day three, we had some real – we had a couple of really good spins set up, and there was a migration day. Like, they were coming out of the heavens and just putting on a show. And we had a, we had a guy there had never hunted snow geese uh, out of decoys. He'd only ever like jump shot him and stuff like that. So he was just like grinning ear to ear. Like, it was, That's awesome. Yeah, it was. He's like, I have never seen anything like this. You know, they're just maple leafing and just dropping straight down. And it's, yeah, you got the actual spin setting up. And, you know, we had, there was a couple arguments of when to call the shot and not. I was the shot caller. And I'll be honest, I got greedy a couple times there because the spin was setting up, right? This is like, well, Let's go for it, you know. Like we already had, we already had birds in hand, you know. It's like I just don't have as much FOMO as some other people, I guess. I, you know, let's let's enjoy it. But yeah, it was it was fun. And then uh, if I hunt by myself, like I, I'll just watch, I'll just watch birds all day. I don't care. I just yeah. want to see what happens, you know. Like yeah. if you don't shoot, but it's so hard to do that with like clientele and stuff. Man, I. I have been running hunts over here in Wisconsin. Uh, I have ran four days of hunts. I ran last week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And uh, I got I got so freaking greedy on this one group of geese, and it worked out. Like, that hardly ever happens. It just <laughs> warmed my, warm my heart. It was, uh, I, I had a group of six from Ohio, and they were in for Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And this was their last hunt. And both Wednesday and Thursday were good hunts, too. So this Friday, we go out there and, you know, kind of the cat's already in the bag. But I, I've i got this field that geese are hitting inconsistently. Like, over the course of, like, six feedings, they've been there twice type of thing. Like, God, I hope they come back. And, uh, boy, did they come back. And I had this flock of, like, 80 that just chiseled into the spread. Like, every swing, 10 more would give it up. So, like, we're talking, there's 80 geese. We gave them seven swings. and Wow. 10, you know, it's so like 70 are in the spread, like, right at 30 yards, um, walking around in the decoys. Our hide was just immaculate, though. Like, I knew that we could, I knew they would sit. And uh, I didn't let the last 10 decoy before I called the shot. But doesn't getting greedy once in a while feel good? It does. And honestly, like, I could feel the, well, I feel I could hear the murmurs. So when I didn't call the first easy shot, you know, but they were still working, I kind of called the second good shot that we had. But again, like, just like you said, if it had just been me or me and one other person that I knew wouldn't bitch about it, 
I think I would have let them keep working. Because right. we just had so many super high flocks that were also getting sucked down. I mean, like, this is what you see on YouTube. It's just layer after layer after layer coming down doing the spin. You know, and we had, oh, so a, we had a couple birds landing in the decoys. Like, this is what you want. Like, So how many decoys were you guys running? About 300 full bodies. That's it, huh? Mm-hmm. That ain't bad. That ain't bad for a setup for a teardown uh, right wait, there. Wait, wait, that day... Yeah, we did have about 300 that day. The next day, no, I take that back. That day we had about 600. So my other buddy, we didn't, yes, full bodies. That's, um, that's getting kind of aggressive. We had two separate <laughs> spreads. <laughs> and uh, so we didn't we didn't put his out the one day, and then the second day we did put the the bigger spread out. So yeah. the, the day they were migrating, though, we it? had about 600. What kind of full bodies were they? Uh, Austin has SXs and my, and uh, Flotty has uh, GHGs. Which ones do you like better? SXs, not even close. Why is that? Because they set up so much easier. They don't... Yeah, they got that big old mouth on the bottom. Yeah, they? they set they pick up and set out so fast. You know, a GH it actually wasn't bad. I was kind of dreading the GHGs, cool. but they look, they they look nice, don't they? Sometimes you got to just get them on that stand just right, you know. Oh, do they still use those L stands? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's Jesus the kind dude. he has, anyways. He's got the old style, so yeah, it's they can oh. be a pain in the ass, but the old style, like the the big bulbous ones. Yeah, they got like that su- almost. It's like the shape of like a suction cup inside, almost, and it's got that big T, like I said, that or F L. or whatever L or upside down L, yeah. yeah, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, it's not upside down. Yeah, it's like a regular L. Whatever. It's you're garbage. Dis- you're dyslexic about these <laughs> Anyway, all I know is the SXs are so nice. It's just a single thing. They got the three little, like, tabs on the inside. Like I said, it goes over that big cone. You can be- you could damn near throw them on there, you know. Like, it, they – and the tail loops, they already come complete with tail loops. Like, they just – they pick up and set out so nice. It's – yeah, they're the way to go. So, speaking of gear, uh, I, I bought some. I bought a new toy myself the other day. Oh, yes. Uh, I bought a hunting related. Yes, it's a steel HS eighty seven hedge trimmer, thirty inch oh, blade. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't it big? Yeah. <laughs> those so those big. things are sweet for cutting down blind material for sure yeah i put a picture of that on my snapchat with like my black and decker electric battery operated hedge trimmer that i was working with so um i've been working with this guy named nate Dayo, and uh, we go out wednesday wednesday was my first day of running clients in wisconsin and uh so i got eight layout blinds to work with that morning and they are naked there ain't a stitch you know they're all all these blinds are cleaned sure uh they're perfectly clean, no stubble, no grass on them at all. And I charge up both of my Black & Decker batteries because I know we're going to have some hedge trimming work to do tomorrow. And I bring them out there. And me and Nate are going to town, hedge trimming, for, uh, you know, like 20 minutes. And that first battery dies. And we do not have oh, no. nearly... <laughs> the amount of grass that we need like we've done fi- we're we've killed 50 percent of our battery and we have like 10 percent of our grass and i'm oh, like oh shit like uh-oh like this is this is not good and uh, the grass that we were working with uh that we we're cutting around this uh around this farm also kind of sucks and we end up like busting our ass 
hand pulling grass because at one point it just ends up being faster you know just right yeah it. yeah yeah and like we're just gushing sweat we've got the deep like we have the clients actually helping us when they get out there because we are we we got out there like two hours before the clients were supposed to arrive and uh so they arrive you know about 15 minutes early and they are helping us uh stubble the getting grass into the blinds and putting decoys out which is fine like the geese aren't flying right at legal shooting time anyways it's okay that and everybody's game for doing a little bit of work in the morning everybody always is but i walked my ass into the steel dealership here in town and uh i walked right up to the counter and this guy's like hello sir how can i help you i said hello i would like to purchase the biggest and the best (laughs) gas powered hedge trimmer that you sell please (laughs) he goes okay uh do you know what model you're looking for like well i believe i just told you (laughs) the biggest (laughs) (laughs) it's like the biggest and the best one you sell please and thank you so i bought uh yeah here's one thing though i'm waffling a little bit i'm going back and forth so i bought the steel hs87 uh gas powered hedge trimmer and it was there was two options i could choose from I could choose from a blade that had more speed and a blade that had more power. Um, which one, uh, if you were at the steel dealership and the guy said that to you, which one do you think you'd choose? Power. Ah, fuck. I, I chose speed. Well, I mean, if you're sticking to, I only say power because there's been a few times where like, if you get into some of those ditches that have like more stockier, um, they got like fucking right, sticks in there like and shit. Stems, like, yeah, then you're yeah. gonna want the power. And it's gonna, gonna be fast enough to cut grass. It's not like it's gonna be going jugger, 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 jugger. You know what I mean? Like it's gonna rip, Right, right, it's right, right. Grass. Okay, grass. okay. So yeah. today's Wednesday. I bought that thing last Friday. They have a seven day return policy. I was thinking of I actually went in there, I forgot my oil in there. Uh like they upsell you on a six pack of oil for the gas and it gives you two more years of warranty on the hedge trimmer. So can I went you, back can in you there try like, it out before you return it? Probably not, huh? Yeah, probably not. I already used it once, and that thing works fucking great, dude. Holy shit. Because, I mean, even I just, the faster one might, I mean, it's, it might rip through some of those sticks. You don't know. Like, just, I guess. I mean, I used it once, and then I was almost thinking, like, fuck, should I have got the one with more power? Or should I, I mean, the what's one? the speed difference? I mean, I guess ask the guy. I don't know. I mean, I, I would I ask know. the guy. I, dude, I did ask the guy, and he says we've li- that. That's literally the only HS87 we've ever sold in this facility. You're the only guy that's ever came in and ever bought a $700 hedge trimmer. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. But I was thinking about it. I was like, dude, after that day with that first morning with me and Nate, uh, setting them block getting all that grass and we did get enough you know like we busted our ass we got our we got the grass and it, the blinds look great but um what is the most labor intensive part of really any hunt yeah it's the, brushing and the blinds hide. for sure yeah yeah the sure. hide and i'm like okay there's tools out there that that'll last for a decade or more and i could just i can I can change this. I can change my future. Right. <laughs> we have the technology. We have the technology yeah, to make this sure. a lot easier than it is currently with this, you know, just, uh, anyway. So now I'm, 
I it's what I got a seven day return policy. I might bring that sucker back and get the more power one. I've been trying to research it online, you know, like like a little bit more research than just walking into a steel dealership and saying, "Give me the biggest, best motherfucker I've got here." Mm-hmm. Anyways, I got some more new gear too that I've been working with lately. That's kind of interesting. That uh, is it a dog? I returned the dog yesterday, dude. <laughs> oh man! So so speaking of Flotty, my buddy Flotty wants to know. He wants to. Know, he's like, I'm really curious to see what. What? Because you were always like kind of anti-dog before. He's like, I'm really curious to see what Nick's opinion is on you know having hunted with that dog all the whole time up in Canada. So give us the dog review. Uh, the dog. I'll tell you this much: Bruno himself is an awesome dog. Uh, there's a learning curve with me on how how to use the dog. The dog pretty much worked about perfectly. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The the operator needed a little bit of sure. learning. <laughs> sure. For for example, um, there was when he would not work perfectly. There would be some times when I would send Bruno out on a retrieve, and if he could not find the bird, he would not want to return without a bird. So I had a whistle, and I'd be whistling at him and yelling at him. And now we got more birds coming, mm-hmm. and uh, he would not be coming back. And that is a, when a dog doesn't do what you tell it to do. That is infuriating. Yes, it like, is. <laughs> holy smokes, dude! That will make your blood boil in about three seconds. Um. So then I learned to like, don't send the dog when there's one duck out there. You know, like we would have like a flock. Say we're field hunting, and we got. Ducks or geese, whatever. Flock comes in. We rain out five or six of them. I'm sending the dog out on some retrieves. He marks like two to four birds pretty good. But we we shot six, though, right? Mm -hmm. So once we get three or four of them in there, stop sending them. Like, sure. Stop sending the dog. Like, because he's lost. His marks are now exhausted. He's exhausted all his marks. If you send him, he's going to have to just start randomly searching and looking for a scent. So, I mean, as long as the birds are dead in the spread, like, get that dog back in the freaking blind and keep hunting. Now, another flock comes in. You shoot another four to eight birds. He's got another three to four fresh marks. You know, now I can send him, uh, you know, three more times. And if I send him again, there's four or five dead birds out there. That he can stumble on. Yeah, sure. He will start, you know, set him up for success. So that was one thing I learned on working with him was, um, yeah, keep keep him in until you know that he will for sure find a bird. I, I did have some experiences with him where I went looking for sailors in the weeds or uh, out in over yonder and where he would catch a scent trail and just beeline directly for it, which was like crazy impressive. Their nose is just yeah, insane. Yeah, yeah, They shine and, in those, um, those scenarios for sure. Right, yeah. So if he would get upwind of something and just, like, r- run right into this brushy patch and, like, three seconds later, like, proudly lift his head up like, I found it! I found it, stepdad! Here it is! <laughs> stepdad! Yeah, they're so happy, too. They're so happy. When they yeah, do that, yeah. They're so damn proud of themselves. Oh, man, and that... That uh, that dog is from Southern Oak Kennels, uh, which I would I guess I would just highly recommend. They make uh, British Labs. He was so good 
uh, he was such a good truck rider, and uh, like he was, he wasn't like a, going ape shit. And he was so good in the house. Like I've had him back here, you know, obviously since Halloween. And I returned him yesterday, the 14th. So we had him here for about two weeks, like a week before season and two weeks after season. My wife just fell in love with him. Like I literally came home from a hunt. I brought him out uh, hunting with my clients here in Wisconsin. And uh, Raquel would be asking me, she'd be like, how did Bruno do today? I'm like, Bruno, <laughs> he did good. You know, yeah, he, he, he did really good. Why? And uh, she's like, your clients like them? I'm like, yeah, they really like them. They take pictures of them, and, which is true. Clients do love the guide dogs. They really do. She goes, I think you need to get a dog for your business, Nick. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, ah, uh, I thought you were just going to train uh, the schnauzer. Yeah. I was like, uh, you think I should get a dog for my business? She's like, the clients love it. They like to watch it retrieve. They take pictures with it. I'm like, Sounds to me like you want a dog. She's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> this, this would be for your business. And I was like, really? And she's like, and my Christmas present. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, yeah, working with Bruno was really great. Cool. So are you thinking about getting one? I am. Ah, sweet. I am. I am. Uh, there is, I do think, though, one thing I was thinking, like, especially like when I first got him, is there is an element to having a dog that requires your love. Like, your love has to be involved in that investment because, okay, I am pretty young and able-bodied. I can go pick up birds. I really can. I, I'm good at it. I can even jog and do it. <laughs> and as, as cool it is, as it is uh, that the dog does it for me, uh, cool. At, at what cost? Right. At what fucking yeah. cost? At yeah. what? At what fucking cost does this dog go pick up fucking birds? I mean, a puppy from Southern Oak Kennels is not cheap. Right. That is that is not a cheap investment right off the bat. I bought a bag of dog food for that thing. It was ninety fucking dollars. <laughs> like, are you fucking kidding me? I think that bag of dog food lasted like six weeks too. So like, <clears throat> that is ex- insanely expensive. That's like the price of your. Wow. Wait for, cable internet. wait for the vet bills. Okay. And, yeah, Bruno, uh, he he had these cool retrieves, and he would go into the weeds, and he'd pick up these birds with his awesome nose. It's like, yes, but again, at what cost? Like, at the end of the day, are you getting freaking eight more ducks a year or eight more geese a year because, this, because you know? So I feel like, the benefit of a dog is almost not justified by the cost of the dog until you factor in love. You know what I mean? Sure. I mean, yeah, the, you get the companionship, the whole thing that goes with the it, love and, for sure. The love and the companionship is what bridges the gap. Because, I mean, training, what is training? You bring them over to a trainer, it's like twelve to $2,000 a yeah. month to get also this not thing. Also cheap, yeah. <laughs> Also not cheap, or or you do the training yourself, with the, which is an insane investment of your time. And at the end of the day, there is a there's a there's a number of birds that they are getting you that is that is birds you would not have otherwise retrieved, right? So let's just say like uh, on a normal season, you kill without a dog, you killed and retrieved a hundred birds. Okay, well with that dog, you would be at what 112 
like 118. So you're paying what for 12 to 18 extra birds retrieved every year? Like it's, it doesn't make sense until you, (laughs) until you factor in the love part of it, which is, it's a real thing. And it does. I do believe that the love, the companionship and the satisfaction does bridge the gap for most people with the cost thing. You know what I, or you know what I mean? Yep. For sure. That's my analysis of the dog. And I did Bruno did get work his way into my heart. He worked his way into Raquel's heart and he was fun to work with. And the clients took pictures of him and uh, the clients want to know all about him. And they, they cheer like they're watching a football game. You know, if a bird is like running from it and he oh, tackles yeah. Yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they do too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, it's like I've always said, it's like, you know, a good dog, man, there's just nothing better. But a bad dog, and when I, when I say bad dog, I mean a bad, poorly trained dog. It's generally not the dog's fault. Um, when the person just yells at him all the time and it doesn't do what you want to do, there's nothing worse. I mean, it's just like, it just ruins the hunt. Right. You know, they break, they flare birds, they do what you're just like, oh my God. And I didn't come out here to hear you yell at your dog and your dog not listen to you. Like, this sucks. But a right. really good dog? Oh man, there's almost nothing better. And the one thing about Bruno was he was, he just wanted to hunt. And uh, like, so I when I'd wake up in the morning, he'd see me wearing camouflage and he'd just go ape shit. And right. he just want to jump into the truck. And when you let him out of the truck, the only thing he would, you know, a lot of dogs, when you let them out of the truck, the first thing to do is they shit like right at the entrance of the trailer or right where you want to put the layout blind. <laughs> sure. Not Bruno. Bruno would just find his blind. He'd find the dog blind and he would sit in there and he would not come out of that wow. uh, dog dog blind until I called his name That's after awesome. some shots. So like he would go into the dog blind and he just be he just sit there he's like I'm ready. That's awesome. And uh, we'd go park the trucks. Uh, we'd go park the trucks. He'd still be in there, sit there, get to hunting. He'd still be in there, shoot some birds, and he wouldn't come out until I said Bruno, which was fine. Except for you know like, like he would go out for the first retrieve of the day and it would be his first piss of the day. So he would like go out, run out, retrieve a duck, and like come running back and stop and just have to piss there for like three minutes. Like oh with a duck in his mouth yeah <laughs> that's funny um, well, that's awesome well I, i'd say that's a good review so uh, what's the what's the other piece of equipment that you bought i've been a, slowly acquiring some uh gear from first light actually mm. yeah i'm a big sitka guy i do like sitka sitka makes fantastic products and uh i've been testing the waters into the first light realm of things this year i got uh like the furnace hoodie i got some uh, merino base layer i got a vest i got a zip up hoodie i have the waiter pants and i have some other regular hunting pants i can't remember the name right now and so far pretty darn good pretty yeah, darn good I, stuff i have a, a i have a base layer from them um and some socks i think and i like them yeah they're good they're wool you know i got the um the upper thermals got the little thumb hole in them i really like those especially in the mm-hmm. winter, winter time just keep you know you don't mm-hmm. get any draft up your sleeve or anything like that if you do trip and you put your hand in the snow you know it's like you don't pack your sleeve full of snow that always sucks now you got clumped up snow on right on your wrist making you cold and 
see, you kind of avoid that. Thumb loops are pretty nice. Ah, uh, they're good. I don't yeah. have anything bad to say about them. I mean, other than that, they're expensive, but I mean, you know, uh, oh, you I, for good shit. I, I have something bad to say. Okay. But all right. Uh, so I don't know if this is the case, but I'm suspecting it is. I think so. I got sensitive skin, and I think the merino wool might might be fucking with my neck a little bit. I've had a couple of little breakouts, like or, like under my chin, when I'm wearing that. Uh, but I I haven't narrowed the cause down definitively to the sure. gear, you know. Could be. Anyway, could be. Could be. Either way, I've always I've been saying this for a while. Like Sitka gear definitely seems to have like a lockdown on like the high end, really like actually functional, great um, hunting gear. But I've I've never believed that they would hold that monopoly for forever. The sure. factories. The factories that make these fabrics and make the technology for the fabrics and the membranes, they're out there and there's only getting to be more of them. And there's, I feel like other companies are going to be catching up to Sitka, like, um, as we go on and prices and, and, uh, product offerings will continue to get more competitive in the Mm -hmm. future. And I've been wearing Sitka since like 2016 and 2017 and thinking that same thing the whole time, like, well, this is the best stuff for now. But, like, definitely other companies are going to be, like, catching up. And here I am, like, seven years later, like, dude, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Where are these? <laughs> yeah, where are, and, the, but, where are the competitors? And But it does They're seem starting. like this. Fir- but yeah, yeah. It finally seems like, yeah. uh, especially with, like, First Light uh, that I've been trying out, that some of the – and I haven't gone into the, any of the waterproof stuff, but I'll tell you one application where I, I use that First Light stuff that really made my, my – that I really thought was super comfortable, especially with their Merino stuff is if you are wearing a waterproof membrane, which like um, a Sitka Hudson jacket or a Delta waiting jacket or anything that's got a, like a waterproof breathable membrane on it, it can kind of feel a little uh, like damp underneath it or something, you know, like it just, sometimes it doesn't breathe as well as it should or, or it, it feels a little plasticky if it's too close to the skin that merino wool like really makes a nice uh, barrier, like a soft barrier between the, ge- the your outerwear gear and your next to skin. So like, just it, it seems like uh, as a mid as a mid layer, that stuff really kind of shines. The merino that the first like guys are coming out with, right? And that's my that's my review of the limited amount of gear I have. But I, I'm curious in finding out more about it now. Yeah, I mean, you know, first light started pretty much just a big game, you know, Western big game kind of a, a company, and yeah, now they're breaking out. Now they're getting into some like some other stuff as waterfall specific camo, and you know, so they're definitely branching out into that market for sure. So cool. All right, well, that's all I got. Yeah. Well, how's how have the how has the hunting been in Wisconsin since you got back? Great. Um, good, consistent. It's. It's been lucky. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah, uh, there is good. The, the weather pattern has just, especially right now, I went scouting tonight. It was yeah. 60 freaking degrees yeah, outside. Warm. No, that sucks. Guess how my scout went? It went bad. <laughs> <laughs> but last week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, um, some of the, some of the hunts weren't luck. Some of it was just right place, right time, right scout. 
and some of the hunts were luck. But thank God they all went really good. Sweet. Well, that's good. Well, that's yeah. one thing I, I have been reminded of is just how much I love to eat mallards. So we had some good fatty mallards that we shot out in Dakotas, and I, you know, skin the breast, leave the leave the skin and fat on. You still just breast them out. But, man, when you – prepare them like that and you cook them like that they're so goddamn good so and i'm burning through them like crazy so now i'm like the word's out and he's on a good mallard hunt let your boy know <laughs> I'm, okay okay I'm willing to drive <laughs> can we close on a funny story yeah all right so on friday of last week my last day with the ohio clients um they shoot their limit and they got their 18 birds, and it's pretty darn early in the morning. And uh, I was like, guys, you guys want to be willing to sit out here and let Nate shoot his birds? They said, yeah, let's. Uh, we can hang out here. So me and Nate are sitting there, and it's two-pack uh, comes out, and they're looking at the spread real good. And they're dumping down in there, and Nate's like, Nick, shoot a goose with me. And I was like, ah. I already asked the wife. I was like, do you want some goose legs for dinner tonight? And she's like, nah. I was like, ah, the wife doesn't really want any goose for dinner tonight. I don't know if I'll shoot. He's like, shoot a goose with me, Nick. I'm like, all right. So he's on the left side. I'm on the right side. These geese come in to about, I got my decoy set kind of far out of the, out of the hide. So they come into about a good 38 yards. They're backpedaling. Let's get them, Nate. Jump up there. Nate, crunch, shoots his goose. Me, shoot three times. <laughs> And I win. <laughs> it was so, it was so fucking humiliating. Dude. You haven't shot all fall though. <laughs> yeah, rusty. dude. But, but also, the last hunt that I did do was uh, a solo pigeon hunt where I shot like a fucking rock star. And uh, you know, like right before I went to Canada, I'm like, I'm gonna go grind some pigeons, and I ground them down to nice, a nub. Nice, nice. So like in my mind, you know, like I'm still a, just a fucking amazing shot. And uh, all the clients are like, oh, like, look who's can't hit a fucking goose. <laughs> and yeah, dude, it was out there. It was out there like a good 38 yards, you know, but I was shooting, you know, boss three inch, 12 gauge number threes. I basically had a 60 yard range on my shotgun with a modified choke in it. I was like, uh. you know, that thing and, was banded. And I called the hunt right there. I was like, all right, we're getting the fuck That's out of here. That's it. Done. Done. <laughs> Done. 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 I started off kind of I started kind of rusty, but I then I picked it up and was shooting pretty good the rest of my trip. But because I'd been rusty right, well, up hey, here. So it was good to get back into some things. I'm back in town. If anybody wants a signature series goose call, hit me up, man. I'll mail you one. Boom. I know. It says they're out of stock on the website, but they're not, they ain't out of stock at my house. There you go. There you go. Hit me up. If you're trying to get better at goose calling, you notice that your goose calling maybe is, uh, it could use a little improvement and you could probably shoot more geese. Check out the Goose Tech app. Um, if you're thirsty and you're not driving anywhere, <laughs> check out, check out Bush Light. Bush Lattes. Is that a new sponsor? <laughs> <laughs> Check out Bush Light. If you drink anything else, what do you drink? I don't know. I drink all sorts of stuff. I'll drink a Bush I Light. Too. I like premiums. I like I like the more like you know, um, fancy beers, if you will. I like those too. I really like a good Oktoberfest. It's like I'm still jamming on those right now. I love those things. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm you know, 
one could call me a beer snob because I do like all the IPAs and the stouts and the porters and the blah, blah, blahs, but I will smash a bush latte. No problem. So I feel like I'm not really a snob. Me and the Ohio guys went to a bar and uh, I was like, well, you're in Wisconsin. You're going to have to try a spotted cow. Oh, I'm like, oh, what's, the, overrated. what's that? Oh, of course it is. And uh, they're like, what's that? I'm like, oh, it's the beer that everybody has to try when they go to Wisconsin. And so I was like, and everybody thinks it's so great. And the bartender ladies right there. I was like, hey, what do you think of spotted cow? She's like, it's fucking nasty. I drink bush light. <laughs> <laughs> That's somebody. That's what somebody from Wisconsin would yeah, say. There you go. There you go. No, that's all right. All right, well, man. Cool. That's uh. That's all I got. We'll do it again next week. All right. Have a good night, Later, Dale. Later, dude. Later. Bye.